Hey, everybody. Uh, welcome to Ocean Waves. My name is Greg Miller. I'm senior editor with Freight Waves and American Shipper, uh, and I cover ocean shipping. Uh, and today I'm joined by Darius Pushkas, uh, Vice President of Global Ocean at Flexport. Uh, Narius, thanks for being with us again. Yeah, thanks for having me, Greg. Uh, I guess a few words about Flexport. Uh, at Flexport, uh, the platform for global logistics, uh, I'm leading a team that is building uh, Ocean Freight 2.0. That's like simplifying processes uh, that are needed to make Ocean Freight booking and shipping simplified. Uh, I like to call that modern booking practices. You know, like as I want to make ocean freight as easy as booking a flight. Great. Well, I mean, uh, if now is the time to make it easier, uh, if there was ever a time to make it easier, it would be this. Uh, it, it's it's really just uh, an incredible time in ocean shipping, and there's a lot to talk about. It's really historic, uh, historically good for the carriers, historically uh, challenging uh, for shippers, and I just want to sort of start with a a brief overview of what's happened. I mean, this is really the second uh, year of the COVID era for ocean shipping. Uh, It began in the first quarter with a surge of congestion around Los Angeles and Long Beach. Uh, By February 1st, there were 40 container ships at anchor. Uh, And then what happened was the carriers couldn't get their ships back to Asia fast enough. They had to blank sailings, they had to cancel sailings. Uh, So the the voyages were decreased uh, in the second quarter. Uh, and that helped with the congestion in L.A. Also, there was an outbreak of COVID in Yantian. That also helped. Uh, then in uh, about uh, middle of June, we started to see uh, the spot rates, both the base rate and the premiums, really start to go up. And they've continued to shoot up, and they're still going up. Uh, we also, in the middle of June, saw the congestion situation in California reverse. The anchorages started to fill. And uh, they're still filling. And, uh, you know, I'll date this. Today is September 22nd, and there are about 70 container ships either at anchor or drifting off the coast of Southern California. It's just an incredible thing. So I want to start with this because, um, you know, this is really what's on people's minds right now. Uh, uh, The Port of Los Angeles calculates the average time it takes to go from Anchorage to birth, and as of today, it went up to a new all-time high of 9.1 days. Uh, There's problems on the terminal side as well. Uh, The container dwell time uh, was up to six days as of a couple of weeks ago, which was a high. Uh, The on-dock rail dwell time was 11 days, which was close to the high of 13. We have congestion at Asian ports in China. Uh, We have congestion on the East Coast uh, in Savannah. So my question to you would be, uh, you know, let's say you're uh, a U.S. importer, you're seeing all these crazy scenes. Um, uh, what is the strategy to uh, weave your way through this minefield? Uh, you know, is there anything you could do from an ocean routing perspective uh, to alleviate this, uh, the pain for yourself? And how have uh, ocean routing strategies sort of evolved over this second year of COVID? It's minefield is the right word, Greg. Uh, I would say opportunities are still out there to avoid some of the congestions, but they are harder and harder to find. Like, I'll give you some examples. There were four, five extra loaders in the month of September that were sent to Seattle, and some terminals in Seattle also congested, but some are actually not. 
Uh, some extra loaders were sent to uh, Oakland or the East Coast. And those were typically smaller ships. And they were able to at least leave Asia on time in full. They are yet to arrive. But that was a good solution, I think, for some customers. So if you look at the how many ports at Anchorage there are, let's say, at the port of Oakland. Right? Oakland was very much congested two, two months ago. Uh, last week, at some point, it was nearly zero. Right Now, there are more carriers that are resuming services to Oakland that previously have been canceled. Uh, so it may get congested again, but it is a good option to get into the country these days. Another good idea, in my opinion, is shipping LCL using premium ocean shipping lines, such as, for example, Matson, right? If the LCL container consolidation is on Matson's premium services, they are actually going around most of that congestion because they own the terminal in Los Angeles. And that's just one example. There are others, other premium services as well that work. The, another, what we actually did at Flexport, and it's not just Flexport, there, I think there are some others selling that as well. But we have, a, in my opinion, quite a unique setup with Valor Victoria Rail Company. They are running on uh, UP tracks, uh, but they have their own trains. Uh, and when all the carriers restricted IPI bookings to like Chicago, Memphis, Kansas City, and Dallas, uh, plus the regular uh, rail companies have seen 20 to 30 days of delays, right, for transferring the cargo from the terminal to rail. Waller Victoria is able to do that much faster because they actually do it from a different location. So again, there are opportunities. There are less and less of them. Um, you just need to look out for them. The last thing I'll say, extra loaders, keep an eye. There are more of them coming and they are always dedicated to an area that is slightly less congested. No, those are some, those are some good ideas. Um, I mean, but when we look at you know, these incredible wait times uh, at Anchor and, and elsewhere, uh, it raises the question of timing. I mean, let's say uh, you are an importer and you have goods, uh, you know, waiting to go in China, waiting to be loaded on a ship and come across. Uh, you know, what what sort of time frame are, you th- are we thinking about now in terms of getting it all the way from over there to where it needs to be over here? How... How, how long is that? It, it really depends on the final location. Uh, if you're using rail in the U.S., it takes significantly longer. So if you're importing from, let's say, anywhere in China or even Southeast Asia to the middle of the country using regular services and regular rail, I bet your goods will not arrive on time uh, Christmas. They probably will only be available next year with all the congestion. So if you, to give you an answer, the lead times can be anywhere between 30 days, which is using premium services uh, for local moves to California, to over 100 days for IPI moves. So the range is insane. Now, we're, we're coming into the fourth quarter. And, uh, you know, I talked before about in the first quarter, when we saw this rise of anchorages, it sort of self-corrected because of all the blank sailings, because uh, the carriers didn't have the ships to go back to, to China. And I'm I'm curious whether this is going to happen uh, again uh, in the fourth quarter, and we're going to see a surge of blank sailings, and we're going to see a surge of cargo getting rolled. On the other hand, I also see some differences now uh, to the situation we saw uh, in the beginning of the year. Uh, Number one, 
there are just simply many, many more services in the Trans-Pacific than there were at the beginning of the year. And number two, what we're hearing is carriers are essentially stealing ships from other services, whether it be Asia, Middle East, or Asia, Africa, because they can earn so much money in the Trans-Pacific, it's better to just take them out of there and sort of cover for the ships that they have stuck, stuck at anchor. But I'm wondering, you know, what do you see as far as the outlook for blank sailings and heavy cargo rolls in the fourth quarter? You brought some really good points. 70 ships at anchor in Los Angeles, including Long Beach, uh, will probably result in a similar amount of blank sailings coming in fourth quarter, right? Because almost all of these ships are going to miss the scheduled departures in Asia. Uh, What's helping a little bit is kind of what you mentioned, right? There are a lot of new services. There were other new services that are scheduled to be launched in Q4. So that will help a little bit. So blank sailings going up. New services are also going up. So that alleviates some of the pain points, right? It doesn't solve anything at the U.S. destination, right, with congestion, but it helps shippers to leave China, not on time, but at least with a reasonable amount of time. Uh, Now, with shipping lines taking containers, container ships from uh, other trade lanes, I, in fact, see that happening, and I I see that trend will continue. the rates are high, they're lucrative, especially for the extra loaders. You can basically, the whole ship is filled with uh, premium cargo because you don't have contracts on these extra loaders. So expect a lot of blank sailings on the regular services in Q4, more than Q3, in my opinion, because uh, anchorage is at an all-time high. Yeah, last point on the blank sailings, I was just speaking with someone earlier today. And uh you know, an interesting point is that if you think back to 2020, 2020 in the second quarter, when all the carriers were blanking sailings uh, because demand had declined uh, due to the lockdowns, uh, they were they were signaling those blank sailings, you know, months out. And you could see what was happening. And you could almost use the blank sailings to forecast, uh, you know, sort of what the sailing capacity would be. But from what I understand, uh, they're not doing, they're certainly not doing that now. So, what happens with the fourth quarter blank sailings? We may find out at the last minute. Um, so, it, just to, to you know, you, you mentioned Christmas, and I, I want to uh, talk about seasonal demand because a lot of imports are seasonal. Uh, we just head back to school, and then we have fall fashion, Halloween, you know, and then the the big one, you know, Christmas. Given how uncertain this is, with all these delays and the blank sailings and the cargo rolling. You know, I'm wondering what you've seen uh, from the import importer perspective on how they're handling the timing of this. I mean, we talk about peak season, but is there even a peak season anymore? Is it just always the peak season? Is the uh, the importer strategy now simply uh, import everything we can as soon as we can, and that's it? Uh, what's going on with that? In in my opinion, peak season is uh, is when there is less supply than demand. Uh, and there is a backlog building somewhere. So I think we have been exactly in peak season ever since COVID hit, even when demand was low at the very beginning because the capacity was removed. So indeed, never-ending peak. Uh, I would only say shippers that don't have enough inventory at this time, they are going to sell out prior to Christmas and because, uh, of, 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 because of all the delays. Uh, and I think what they should expect is that this chaos will continue well into 
2022 and the peak season. The whole 2022 may be another peak season. Uh, and then sticking on demand for a second, uh, you know, we talked about this the last time we spoke four months ago, which seems like a lifetime ago with all that's happened. But, you know, what is driving demand? Is this simply consumer spending or is this uh, inventory restocking? Um, because that, you know, that affects the duration of the demand. I mean, just recently, when looking at the consumer spending numbers, there was this whole idea that once we got to spend on uh, services and travel, uh, we would stop spending on goods. And I haven't really seen that yet. And when you look at the inventory to sales ratios, uh, they're still they're still well below where they were pre-COVID. And I haven't seen much of an improvement uh, in the in inventory to sales ratios over the last couple of months. So where do you see demand coming from, you know, vis-a-vis consumer spending versus inventory or stocking, and how does that affect just how long this demand will last? Yeah, I think it's a combination of three things, essentially. Probably more, but three that I can quickly think of. Uh, one is restocking. Like so many items are simply out of stock, uh, which leads to the second one, which is, in my opinion, some companies are over-ordering simply because they ran out of stock and they lost a lot of sales and they don't want to have that happen again. So they are ordering more than they need to. Uh, and the third one is high spending, right? People are still buying. Uh, so sales to inventory ratios are, are, are low. In my opinion, restocking is the largest driver uh, across all clients. But some clients actually are simply, they may even have enough inventory, but they are importing a lot simply because they are potentially overreacting. But still, to sum it up, I think overreacting is not the biggest driver. The biggest driver is uh, restocking. To answer your question, how long this is going to last, as until effective capacity can start going up, until we start removing some bottlenecks uh, in the ports of Los Angeles, be chassis, be uh, drivers, uh, I think this will continue lasting. Like you actually have some importers. Uh, that potentially stop ordering because the prices are too high. Uh, let's let's go back to uh, supply real quickly for a second. We talked about the ships getting tied up in anchor, but another issue is container equipment. This was a, a big issue at the very beginning of the year. Then it seemed to get better, and then we had Ever Given uh, that threw a monkey wrench into everything. Meanwhile, uh, uh, there are uh, a tremendous number of new containers being constructed. I mean, I don't know if everybody knows this, but uh, uh, all containers are effectively built in China and eight out of 10 new containers are built by just three Chinese companies now. But according to the latest stats, they're, they're putting them out like crazy. This is going to be a record, record year. So you think that would help. Uh, but at the same time, uh, I am seeing a lot of uh, customer advisories from Maersk, you know, basically pleading with customers to please return your containers. So where, you know, just quickly, where do you see uh, container equipment availability now and going forward? The issue with equipment, or I call it sometimes inventory, right? It comes in, in waves. Uh, there is probably half a million or so containers, or TUs, I should say, sitting outside of the port of Los Angeles in Long Beach, uh, right? And so the issue is not really the amount of containers. The issue is how long one journey takes, right? You asked earlier about the lead times. The lead times are getting longer. Let's just say your lead times went up by 20%. That means you need about 20% more containers to service exactly the same amount of goods. So 
that's why you see these issues. Now, to tell the listeners, right, where the issues are with equipment, it really depends on the carrier. Because again, it comes in waves. One carrier may have a full container of empties delivered in Shanghai, and they will have a bit of a surplus for a week. Another carrier doesn't have any. Uh, so carrier by carrier, it varies. And like I said, it, it comes in waves both directions. All right. I, you know, I, I really also want to get to talk about, you know, a key thing, which is obviously freight rates. Um, you know, if you look at a different index, uh, you get a different number. Uh, where do you see uh, Asia West Coast and Asia East Coast, you know, spot rates plus premiums uh, right now? It's similar to the lead times. Uh, the rates uh, depend on a lot of things, of course, for the loading, for the discharge. Uh, let's talk about base China or even Shanghai, Los Angeles. If you don't have a contract, if you are booking on an extra loader last minute, you probably will end up paying anywhere between 15K on the low end to 20, 22,000 on the high end. Uh, if you have a contract, the prices are in single digits uh, for thousands. If uh, you are using one of the regular services, not the extra loaders, the range is, is bigger. It's more like nine to 20,000. So very, very, very big range. The East Coast is actually similar to the West Coast, probably just add a thousand to two thousand dollars on top. Now, I mean, the, you know, the spot rates are only part of the story. There's also the contract rate side of it. And, um, you know, the contract rates rose substantially this year, although they're obviously much lower than the spot rates. But, you know, let's say that you know, this congestion continues and let's say this demand continues because of restocking. And let's say that in the first half of 2022, the spot rates are basically where they are now. You know, where the spot rates are obviously affects the contract rate negotiations. So, um, you know, what what advice do you have for what, what do you see for the 2022 uh, annual contract season? Um I mean, do you see do you see rates rising you know, significantly again? Do you see possibly more multi-year contracts? How could this play out on the contract side? Yep, I think the contracts have uh, only one way, which is up, right? Considering where the spot market and premium market is today, and where the contracts are, so I think the importer should expect that the spot market is also going to remain high for the 2022. Uh, there are new shipping lines coming into the market, so one may expect, right, there will be a little bit more supply. Maybe the prices will normalize, but the issue is, or the issues are congestion uh, still there, and I don't see that going anywhere. And small and smaller niche carriers have significantly higher costs, right? If you are a new shipping line and you're chartering ships today, you're paying, uh, some of the articles that said, what, over $200,000 a day, right? Uh, which is so much more than what it used to be. So higher costs for carriers means even if supply and demand somehow got balanced, the prices will remain high. Well, does it, does it mean they are going to go up from where they are today? We saw some carriers actually announced uh, the freezing price increases, but they're so, they're so high that I don't see them going up per se anymore. Uh, that's So what advice would I have? You also asked about the enforceable or multi-year contracts, right? Uh, I think a large portion of the market, but not the biggest portion of the market, but say 15 to 20% of the market of Trans-Pacific in 2022 
is likely going to be on uh, enforceable contracts or multi-year contracts. Those will be significantly better prices than you would get if you sign for one year. Uh, but obviously, you're not going to get your few thousand dollars uh, Shanghai to Los Angeles. So I would encourage importers to check that out. Not every carrier offers, but they are out there. They may be good for your business. Uh, they are obviously good for your business year one because it's a three-year or two-year right uh, contract. But year three, which is 2024, is when a lot of capacity comes in. So that's what you have to be careful for. You have to make sure that you're prepared for potential high losses in year three. So talk to your finance. Well, it sounds like yeah, it sounds like uh, this this we're we're very this is very far from over, and um, you know it sounds like. Four months from now, we'll be speaking again, and we'll have something entirely different to talk about. Uh, so I just wanted to thank you for joining us. It's, it's, it's been great as always. Well, thank you, Greg.